1906 was the year that the Wiley Act was passed, which effectively started the era of prohibition of cannabis. And so our mission is to bring cannabis back to its pre-prohibition status and highlight the failed century of prohibition. Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. So the dog is nom nom and dog treat in the background. If you follow us on Instagram, you've seen her, Dazer Laser, the Chewini with the most. Welcome. Stoners of all ages over the age of 21 in recreational legal states here in the United States, or if you're in Canada, everybody over the age of 21, this is the Mary Jane Experience. Welcome to it. I am Casey Jones, sitting across from the hostess with the mostest, Strawberry Sequoia. Strawberry had the opportunity this week to talk to 1906, a Colorado-based edibles company, we love their stuff. We've reviewed a few of their products. If you go into the review section on our website, um, Strawberry, talk to us. 1906, who'd you talk to? What'd you talk about? Kick yeah. it off. So I talked to Peter Barsoom. He's the CEO of 1906. Sorry, Peter, if we pronounced your name wrong. My bad. Yeah, I think it's Barsoom. We'll go with it. But yeah, so he, he's a really, really smart guy. He originally had a career on Wall Street and wanted to do something a little more interesting. And so he, and of course, God, I don't know why I can't talk today. Uh-oh. He wanted to do something a little more interesting and his wife was also suffering from a couple different ailments that cannabis seemed to cure. Oh, wow. So they were really interested. They flew out to Colorado. And really, you should hear the story from him. Yeah. I left finance in, in 2014 because I wanted to pursue something more entrepreneurial and have a, and, and have a greater impact, frankly. And really, the idea behind 1906 came from my partner and my wife, Gita, um, who'd been a longtime cannabis user. I had used cannabis during college and not much post-college. In fact, you know, for a period of time, I really felt like cannabis wasn't my thing because it would induce paranoia and wasn't, wasn't pleasant. And I, uh, I realized that for myself, what what really works is a blend of both THC and CBD, and that when it's THC alone, um, I, I get negative side effects from that. Anyway, long story short, kind of two main reasons we got into the business. One is that she had gone through a period of anxiety and depression that was pretty debilitating. Was put on nasty antidepressants that frankly didn't help her situation, and it was through medical cannabis that she was able to get off her antidepressants, become more functional. And I saw firsthand the medicinal benefits of cannabis in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And then as we then we moved, we we went out to Colorado on our first visit in early 2015, and the first thing that we noticed is the fact that 
the quality of the cannabis we smoke today or, or back then even is the best it's ever been. You have clean, green strains that are pesticide-free. You have availability of so many different strains to choose from to dial in the effect that, that you have. So if you're a flower smoker, life is good. But if you're not a smoker, it's a different tale. And really, what we saw is a major problem in the edibles market that doesn't serve people like us. High-functioning adults for whom cannabis could be a potential alternative to alcohol or pharmaceuticals. And so that's what we set up 1906 to do, is to serve people like us who are high-functioning adults and who want the best possible cannabis experience that that they could get in a non-smokable format. So interesting story there. Um, Also kind of a common theme. We've heard this before. People had a career in finance, engineering, you name it, for some reason or another, saw cannabis as a potential medicine of some sort, got into the industry, now they're running their own company. Um, Sounds like 1906 hit it on the head with a high-functioning adult idea. And I love it. Seeing the edible market is not fully there yet, right? Yeah. Well, you know, they, they identified something that we've talked about before and, and sort of the THC arms race where yeah. people don't actually need all that THC in their products. You know, having a lower dose, having a five milligram or even a one milligram gives people the opportunity to dose themselves. Exactly. Instead of being like, well, you can either have 10, 20, 30, you know. Because anybody lot. that was going to college in Colorado in 2010 took a decadose from Chibachu and debated their existence. Tripped that in the not outer fun. space. <laughs> so, and, you know, just making something that tastes really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that too. So, so it, uh, you know, coming from finance to Colorado, seeing the market... Again, as it's maturing, realizing people want, you know, a more approachable experience, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, 1906 does that. 1906, if, if you're not aware and you're listening, go check out their website. Their advertising, packaging, marketing is on point. We'll get to that a little bit later in the interview. Um, but yeah, great company. And, and they did hit kind of right on the head at the right time for the maturity of the cannabis industry. I believe great case study in marketing. Absolutely. Anyway, and so they on. make edibles, as we said, for the high-functioning adult. And I asked Peter about this and, and sort of just how those edibles seek to or, or do accomplish that. Yeah, we really found that there were kind of three major problems with the edibles industry and the edibles market. One is that most products taste bad. They have a strong, hashy flavor and poor quality ingredients. Second is that you have no idea how it's going to make you feel. And people use cannabis because they want to feel a particular way, whether it be relief from pain, anxiety, help with sleep, help with sexual performance, energy. It's not about getting high. It's about feeling a a particular way. The third issue that we're trying to solve is the fact that it takes way too much time to start to feel the effects. Most of us don't have six hours to have a date with an edible or don't want to play Russian roulette kind of with, with any product that we put into our body. And so those are the three problems we tried to solve. It's got to taste good because it's food. It has to deliver a specific effect and it has to be fast acting. 
I love that he says it's not about getting high. It's about feeling a particular way. Whether yeah. it's sex, you want <laughs> to be better, or if it's, you know, performance in athletics. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people love the go beans for yeah. working yeah, yeah. out. Um, and we love the midnight chocolates for falling asleep. Yeah, exactly. No, and that that is kind of um, uh, something that we we've been touching on and been talking about since the beginning of the podcast is the end of the THC arms race. It's not about getting as stoned as you possibly can, bro. It is about it having a feeling and an experience with these products that you get every single time. Yeah. Well, and consumers and, are getting so much more sophisticated about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And demanding it and saying like, yeah, I do want weed that does this specific thing. Exactly. Yeah. And and companies are are starting to produce products like that and it sounds like 1906 is is one of those. Um, but again, consistency, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. You how want do you... to feel the same thing every time. That's how you garnish some sort of brand following. You know that this is going to make you feel like this. That's going to make you feel like that. Um, so consistency is always kind of a touchy one in the cannabis industry. So Exactly. So how do you go about getting that same effect every single time, especially with edibles like chocolates? I mm-hmm. mean, how do you get every single batch exactly the same? That's what I asked Peter next. Yeah, uh, great question. And that's all about sourcing and quality control. So we use single strains of cannabis in each of our different experiences. So that allows us to control the kind of the input material in terms of cannabis. Secondly, we use dietary supplement and other plant medicines to enhance the cannabis to deliver that specific effect. So for instance, our Go product, which has got a strong following among athletes, that has caffeine, L-theanine, theobromine, and alpinia galanga uh, in there. So those are natural stimulant, which work great with cannabis to give you that sense of energy that you're looking for for people who take Go. And each one of our different products has other plant medicines and a particular strain of, of cannabis there. So we do a ton of testing before product develop, you know, in our product development phase to ensure that delivers the right experience. And then uh, we have the strictest QA and, and QC standards in our manufacturing process to ensure that when we say it's got five milligrams of THC and five milligrams of CBD. It, it always does. So that combination of quality sourcing and quality control ensures that every 1906 product is, is the same. It's kind of a boring answer, but that's what it is. Quality sourcing, quality control. I guess it's kind of obvious, but it's important. And also using ingredients that are natural. Um, I had a conversation this morning, actually, with... Somebody that we're going to do a, a different episode on that has to do specifically with growing cannabis. His name is Jeff. One of the things that he said when you're gardening, only use things that are naturally occurring. When we changed over and became vegetarian, we now just only eat whole foods, things that are naturally occurring. Might as well continue that into your cannabis. Right? Yeah, well, and that brings us right into the next question. He mentioned pesticide-free cannabis and... I just wanted to know how they choose that cannabis, if they grow their own, if they have a specific farm, just how the sourcing of cannabis actually works. 
Great question. So we partner with farm. We don't grow our own. We try and do what we do best, which is manufacturing, marketing, and and product. So we have uh, long-term arrangements with farms that grow specific genetics for our needs. Um, we inspect all the farms. We inspect all the material that, that comes to us with every single batch to ensure that it meets our quality standards. Real quick, was there any deeper insight into how Colorado functions in terms of partnerships with grow ops and things like that? Because that's, that's one of those questions I think that's out there. Where do these people get their weed? Yeah, he did not disclose that information to me. I don't think he wanted to tell us which farm he uses. He just he said want to give a away farm. trade secrets. What do you yeah, mean? I know, I know. <laughs> I told him he's got to tell all for this interview, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can't blow the guy's entire business. Up. Yeah, I guess so. But, but anyway, moving yeah. on. So sourcing, obviously a big deal. Sounds like they source very responsibly. So that's good to know. A lot of the people we talk to actually are, are on that because people are starting to care about cannabis the same way that they care about their food. Um, so yeah, that's it's kind of nice to hear that. Is on yeah, I mean, no one's going to come track. on the show and be like, you know, we really like pesticides in our weed <laughs> and you should definitely <laughs> have our pesticide full weed. But, you know, it, I think that 1906 really does seem to care about really high quality product. So yeah. I trust him. You uh, trust him? I, because his products do what they say they're going to do, and I haven't had a negative experience, some edibles, some vape pens, specifically depending on how it's derived, I have an issue with. Like it'll give me a headache or mm -hmm. I'll feel just icky in general. And it has that feeling of, of, oh gosh, I just ingested a poison effectively of something of that nature. I haven't had that problem with the 1906 products. So yeah. they I, seem I gotta really buy it. clean. Yeah. They feel clean at least. So and, yeah. and again, this is our experience. If you've had a different experience, let us know in the blog. Moving on. Speaking of high quality product, high quality design. For Shizzle. If they've dialed anything, they have dialed the look. I sure. am obsessed with their aesthetic. I think it is so beautiful. Everything from their packaging, this the way you open their packaging, yeah. to trade show booths and their Instagram. Right. Yeah. They are nailing it. And so I just asked him about the importance of aesthetics to the company. Yeah, and it sounds like they have some good reasoning behind that too. I so. liked his answer, yes. Yeah. That was very important for us because... For a lot of people, they're used to getting cannabis and, you know, if they were buying it illegally, getting it in little baggies and much of even the products that are on dispensary shelves are poorly designed, I would say. So design is an important part of destigmatizing cannabis, making it attractive to consumers and uh, making it more accessible. So by having simple names like we do, by having bright packaging that's clear about what it is that you're getting, it turns it into more of a health and wellness product than a formerly banned substance there. Some people might look at 1906 and think, that looks like the apple of cannabis. Yeah. It sounds like that's by design. And I love the reasoning behind it. It's not 
necessarily design for the sake of design, which is fine because art for the sake of art sometimes is just awesome. Like go for it, run that. But he's, he makes a good point. You know, design, well-designed product in an attempt to destigmatize cannabis. It's pretty much our goal with this entire podcast. So I can get behind that. Yeah, I think that's really important. And turning it into a health and wellness product that people can be proud of and can, you know, not be afraid of ingesting these things. It, it's a new game and it's a new high. <laughs> oh, I was waiting to say that. Are they sponsoring this episode? Because... No, I mean, you'd think, but we're doing all this shit for free, so maybe people should start paying us. Nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink to the cannabis yeah. world. Hello. No, it's, it's totally fine. We love doing it, <laughs> so it's not a big deal. Um, briefly, we did touch on their packaging. Um, you talked to him about regulatory issues. It didn't sound like they had very many, but we do know that packaging was an issue. One of our good friends that was a consultant in the industry right when it became recreational they were saying that they would only order packaging in 50 units at a clip because the next week they would have a new regulation they'd have to follow in terms of packaging, like the size of the, the THC diamond would change, what you could say on the outside, etc. cetera. Um, so they've figured it out in terms of designing nice, great packaging that meets all the regulatory standards. I think they're pretty actually quote-unquote standards at this point. But in the beginning of the industry, it was not. From what it sounds like, it was the wild, wild west, and people were getting hosed because it was changing every week. It sounds like it actually is standardized. So. Yeah, I think they figured out weird. that issue, at least in Colorado. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Take note, all other states in the, in that will have legal cannabis in the next five years, maybe just copy and paste that from the Colorado laws to make everybody's life easier. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it really fucks with people. Yeah. Anyway. So moving on to your, your conversation here, um, what did you guys talk about next? I wanted to bring up, since they are a big company and they're getting a lot of traction in the industry, I wanted to bring up inclusivity and equality and what they're doing to push the industry in the right direction in that regard. I think it's a responsibility that all cannabis companies have. Exactly. So. It's a budding industry. We should all be taking care of one another and, and keeping it on the up and up. Exactly. It's a, it's a great question. The last hundred years of prohibition have severely damaged many communities, particularly communities of, of color. And we have an obligation as an industry participant to right the wrongs of the last hundred years or so of prohibition. So we do that in a couple of ways. One, by having a diverse workforce. We have 70% of our uh, team is female. Uh, and we think that's very important as a new industry that it reflects the consumers and, and the overall population. Number two, we've got an initiative that we're starting to employ formerly incarcerated individuals, those who have been most affected by the war on drugs. This industry is creating tens of thousands of new jobs. And I think we're trying to play our part uh, by putting together a training program for formerly incarcerated individuals to open up jobs available to them for this industry. You know, that's just a few of the things that we're doing. We're also actively involved with the Cannabis Trade Federation on their diversity task force. I think there's a lot that 
we can do and the rest of the industry can do to ensure that we've got a workforce, that we've got ownership that is progressive. So that's awesome. 70% female workforce over at 1906. It's probably why their aesthetic is so awesome. Seriously? Yeah. Their their products are just beautiful at the end of the day. Well, I mean, it's a sexist statement to make to say, oh, because they have a bunch of women working for them. That's why their products look great. I understand that. I'm not. I'm just making a joke. Yeah, it turns out their yeah. one male employee is the designer. Um, <laughs> right, and I'm in it, and I'm the asshole. <laughs> anyway, um, no, that's awesome that it, that they are conscious about that, and that's something that I would employ to the entire cannabis industry. Anybody looking to get into the cannabis industry is to have that mindset. Remember where it came from. This is still a Schedule One narcotic. There are still people locked up for it. Unfortunately, it was predominantly black and brown people in this country that were stigmatized in the illegal cannabis crackdown of the 80s and 90s. We just got to keep that in mind. We got to remember it moving forward. Internalize it, acknowledge it, fix it, moving on. So it's awesome to hear that they're doing that. It's great. Yeah. I mean, employing and and having programs for formerly incarcerated individuals is so important as well. So every company should be doing that. Again, when we start getting funded by the cannabis industry, call us if you take a sponsor <laughs> in an episode. I'd love to do something like that, have a, a formerly incarcerated individual program to come work for us. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. We can dream. We can dream. Speaking of it being a new industry, cannabis tourism is a thing. People come to Colorado all the time. As all of our friends and family that come from out of state, can we go to a dispensary? Is, is pretty much on the docket. Um, you guys talked about first-timers going into dispensaries. Uh, what did you guys talk about? I asked Peter his advice for somebody that maybe isn't as familiar with the industry, or edibles especially, on what you should look for in a product. Yeah, I think one of the, the first things is to ensure you know quality and, and consistency. This is a strong psychoactive substance. And just like you would choose what medication you take, cannabis is is medicine. And so it's really important to only put the highest quality ingredients in your in your body. You can do that through a number of ways. Um, but the, but the most important is ensuring that you're buying from the highest quality uh, producers in whatever format you enjoy cannabis. There, is a lot of testing that goes on in the industry that's required by the state. But there are firms like us and others who go way above and beyond even the state-mandated requirements. And uh, I would advise everybody to focus on quality, recognize that you often get what you pay for, and, and the cheapest items are often not the best for you. Some uh, pretty solid advice there from, from Peter. Um, I'd, I'd fall in line with that. What would you suggest? Let's, let's talk about this real quick. You have a friend or family member coming in from out of town. They say they want to go to a dispensary. I would say, I mean, if you're going to a dispensary, ask your bud tender a million questions and get specific because they're really good and they know every product and they've tried it. And if you're looking for something for sleep, ask for that. And do your research and you can specifically 
look for companies that are woman owned or woman run mm-hmm. or that have programs like the formerly incarcerated programs. So you can sort of shape the industry with your money. Yeah. Vote with your dollar. Vote with your dollar. Yeah. So do your research, ask your bud tender, know what you, what experience you want, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Think about it and, and know what you're looking for. Now, almost going, if you're going to a dispensary for the first time, imagine the experience that you want. Go ahead, talk to your bud tender, because those guys are awesome. Guys and gals know mm-hmm. so much about the industry because they are involved every single day. They've tried, like you said, they've tried everything from strains to edibles to patches to all kinds of stuff. Um, just think about the experience you want. When you go into a dispensary, ask the bud tender, I want this experience. They'll get you the right stuff. And you can, you, people now can actually, you know, search by product, can get behind certain companies like 1906 or Astro Farms or whatever. Um, Call us. Yeah. Or if you, or if you want to know the best companies to buy from, go ahead and reach out to info at maryjanexperience.com. Uh. Exactly. So, and speaking of Colorado cannabis companies or just cannabis companies in general, my next question was, what are some of the mistakes that Peter sees other cannabis companies making? I think one of the big mistakes is there is a belief that people want the highest potency. And we saw that early on in the Colorado market and still exists today where the requirement from the state is that you can't go above 10 milligrams per serving and a package can't have more than 100 milligrams. Well, you know, for a lot of people, 10 milligrams is too much and you shouldn't give people the advice that, hey, cut this in half. That's the wrong answer. And so that's why all of our products are at five milligrams or at one milligram to give consumers the choice that they have in deciding what's the right dosage for that particular for that particular time. So I see the push towards the highest potency, whether that be in concentrates or whether that be in, in edibles, to be dangerous, frankly, to to most consumers. Getting too high is the worst possible experience. It's it's worse than having too much alcohol or having too much of, of any substance. So we always tell people you can always take one more. You can never take one less. So back to that THC arms race. Yes. Um, I, I think it's, I think it is great because, and, and this is just from me. I know that there is a community of people out there and bud tenders speaking of that we've talked to who have said they don't have certain enzymes in their systems or a different endocannabinoid system where they have to take a hundred milligrams of edibles to feel what I feel when I take 10. And sounds expensive. It, a, it sounds expensive. Go get your med card, kid. But B, everybody's experiences are different. But for me personally, I do love the idea of a lower potency experience-based product yeah. um, as opposed to the THC arms race because I don't well, need to get that high anymore. Thinking about it as a health and wellness product yeah. and not just, I want to get fucked up, sometimes I don't want to get high at all but I don't want to have a headache anymore. Or I just simply want to experiment on balancing my endocannabinoid system and restoring homeostasis in my body. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You've been doing this for too long officially. (laughs) Right. But so sometimes I want just 
the one milligram exactly so that i can relieve a hangover or get rid of a headache or maybe i'm feeling a little nauseous or whatever my mm -hmm. issue is but i want to still be able to be very productive in my day yeah. so this is something your older brother and i talked about because mm -hmm. he was saying he's got two kids he's got a third on the way he was saying in between leaving the office and getting home what product can i use to just take that edge off that's going to make taking care of my kids easier yeah and we're like oh because like the one milligram microdose tinctures, that's your go-to. And yeah. he loves them. So it's, and then it's you great can that start those products low. Exist. Yeah. Low and slow is, you know, again, if we're talking about somebody that maybe has never tried cannabis before, yeah. if you try a 10 milligram edible and you're anything like me, you're going to hate it. You're going to have a horrible experience. Oh, yeah. I've had people that have, that have taken edibles and left them behind I, I, you can keep those yeah and um and it's all about <laughs> finding gosh. the experience that's right for you so exactly very important um moving on into the future of 1906 if you're interested in what they're up to that was my next question what products where are they expanding what is the future looking like for 1906 yeah, so we're really excited in, uh, first of all, I'll talk about products that we're releasing coming up and then also where we're expanding geographically. So from a product set, we're going to be soon launching what we call our drops. And these are press tablets that are swallowable pills. And those will be out in market in September. So that gives people the discreetness and the convenience of taking a pill when they want. Not everybody wants to take a piece of chocolate, it might be too hot to melt, or some people don't want to take sugar, for instance, at night before they go to bed. Pills are the predominant way in which we take medicine today. And so our products are now all going to be available in a, in a pill format in the same standard dosage, either five milligrams for most of our experiences and uh, love and our newest experience, Genius, will be available in two and a half milligrams. So, so we're launching pills and we're, on, we're also launching our sixth new experience, uh, which is for cognitive focus called Genius. And that adds a number of other nootropics and other plant medicines that really work well for brain power and cognitive performance. We're also launching 1906 Pax Pods later this year as well. So PAX pods and vaping in general has taken off as a way in which people want to enjoy their cannabis. Um, and so you'll see our 1906 PAX pods coming out later this year. And then beverages. There's a strong demand in the market for high quality, low sugar, all natural, low dose beverages. So we're really excited about introducing beverages toward the end of this year or first part of next year as yet another way for consumers to enjoy cannabis. And then we're expanding beyond Colorado as well, where we've been for the last 200 years. So in the first quarter of next year, we'll be opening up Massachusetts and Michigan, and then Illinois, Ohio, and competing for licenses in New Jersey and Florida. So we've got a strong East Coast focus uh, with our geographic expansion. And then California, eventually, probably in, in 2021. The future of 1906 doesn't sound too off-base of what's happening in the industry. Pills, sounds like beverages, um, hot topic as well. Most Pax pods. Pax pods, things of that nature. Mm, concentrates. Why couldn't I think of the word concentrates right there? Jesus. 
I need to stop eating so much weed. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, it, it sounds like they're kind of in line with, with a lot of the things. And I think that's smart, too, because, you know, it, it's tough to be the first, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just... Not always a good idea being the first, Not actually. always a good idea. But it is what it is. I like I like the states that they're going to. That'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what happens as companies like 1906 expand. And, this, and, and we've talked to other people about this. Wanna Brands, um, Markaha, what it's like to expand into different markets because you all of a sudden are, are dealing with a different crowd of people. In Colorado, we've had recreational cannabis for quite some time we have an educated user base here a lot of people are almost trained in the art of recreational cannabis it's weird when you go to new states because it starts with that thc arm race a lot of the people that have been users for a long time can't wait to get their hands on a hundred milligram thc edible oh, i'm gonna get so high they do that a couple times they're like oh shit <laughs> I think Shouldn't people have will have learned from all the legal markets, though, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's going to be that same way everywhere. Yeah. But hard to say. Hard to say. We'll see. Um, and we'll have to do a follow-up interview. I think it's interesting that they are doing a sort of a heavy East Coast focus. Yeah. And not really West Coast. And I think part of that maybe is just because those are the going to be the newest markets, whereas yeah. the West Coast already has... A lot of markets, so there's a lot more competition. Yeah. Again, dude came from finance, so he's obviously not stupid. Yeah, so, so that's pretty smart. That I think that's a good thing to look at. Mm-hmm. And I'll be very interested to see how those markets pan out, Cause like we were just talking about. Maybe people have the knowledge of recreational cannabis already, so a lot of the industry issues that we had in the beginning they won't have, mm-hmm. or maybe they will. We don't know, but we'll, we'll do follow-up interviews with a lot of these people exactly. in five years to see how everything has gone. Speaking of five years, moving the future. to the future, everybody imagine their crystal ball and go ahead and fire up Welcome your future to predictions. the future of cannabis. <laughs> we ask everyone the same question as you know if you are a follower of the Mary Jane experience. And here is the one, five, and ten year predictions from Peter Barsoom, the CEO of 1906. Yeah, well, I think in in one year, what we'll likely see is more form factors being available. We're seeing a lot more development. Like I said, you know, beverages is just one example of that. I think in, in five years' time, it's amazing what's happened in the last five years. Like, who could have predicted the number of states that are now legal or on their way to to being legal. So five years time, I think we'll probably see some movement on the federal front, um, maybe descheduling or at least letting states do their own thing where federal prohibition ends. 10 years time, very, I I think 10 years time, very difficult for me to see that far ahead uh, other than it's only going to get better. I like the idea of more form factors of cannabis we talk about this all the time where are the savory edibles i'd eat too many if it was like <laughs> potato chips i'd be done for maybe that's why people haven't done it because if it's a bag of popcorn that popcorn gonna be gone but if you made the entire bag of potato chips three milligrams yeah, then you could point. eat the whole bag there, there you go yeah so somebody anyway. make some 
salt and vinegar chips for me, okay? Let's put it this way. If it doesn't happen in five years, MJX salt and vinegar chips coming to a dispensary near you. <laughs> it's That's not my as five sexy year as candy. You know, <laughs> like chocolates can be so beautiful. It's true. And potato chips is just like... They're so good. Perpetuates though. the stoner sitting on the couch like eating <laughs> chips. It's true. Yeah, yeah. But so I'm a high more... functioning adult that likes potato chips, damn it. Right? Anyway. More form factors, more states becoming legal, yep, and that's a general annoying. overall industry getting better and better and better. Yeah. And and I love that. And of course, people have to have this opinion if you're a C-level executive at a cannabis company, but it's nice to hear that everybody has a positive outlook that the industry will get better, especially coming from people that are conscious about who they hire, how they operate, where they source, things of the like. Yeah. So it's nice to hear. I like the positivity. I do too. And I wanted to also thank Peter for a little compliment he gave us in the end. Pumping our tires, Pete. Thanks, bud. That's right. Um, about you know the role that we play here, and we're always talking about how important education and destigmatization is. So he gave us a little, little compliment. No, I think you know the role that you play in terms of educating uh, consumers is is huge. There's still so much misinformation and stigma associated with cannabis, and I applaud you for for doing your part on giving people the real facts and uh, and educating them about the role that cannabis can play. Thanks. I appreciate the shout out. I'm blushing. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I can't even believe it. I just <laughs> no, just it's true. It's, it's why we started the podcast is because though there is plenty of source for information out there, we wanted very real, in-depth, honest opinions or not opinions, fact-based information. Well, and that opinions. Educates, and opinions from, from industry leaders so we could start to make a better and more educated decision in our cannabis use, which is why we're here. We're here to educate y'all. Yeah. Well, and it's growing and changing every single day. Mm-hmm. As states become legal, they're able to do more and more research. So to be able to be constantly recording and talking to people I think it is important and nobody can cover it all. Yeah. So we need all of these different sources. It's true. It's true. Get the information. And mm-hmm. we appreciate our listeners so much. You enable us to keep doing this by supporting us and listening to our episodes. And you, the listener, if you have topics, questions, and comments about the cannabis industry, this is your opportunity to be involved no matter where you are, you could be in a legal state, you could be in an illegal state, you could be across the world in a different country. If you want to ask a question, let us know. Info Drop at maryjanexperience.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, or interact with us on any of our social media platforms. Of course, Mary Jane Experience on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a subreddit, r the Mary Jane Experience. We're all over the place, so join the conversation. Yeah. Ask questions. It's fun. It's informative. And, you know, it's just something to do on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, shit. At the end of the day, mate, we're talking about weed. Like, this is kind of, this is, this is a legit hobby. Um, with that, if you do like everything that we do in terms of getting information out there in the world and you'd like to support the podcast, please do so. We are actually about to launch our online store for the Mary Jane experience. Yay. Yeah. We, we, we want to 
A, we want to support the people that we've talked to that have been so generous to come onto the show. So we're going to try and get the books, the CBD products, the hemp-based products, the non-cannabis-infused products that we've talked to people about, and, and who, you know, people who have supported us for things like the Mother's Day raffle we did as well. Um, help support them. Help support us. Keep yeah. the information flowing. As we said, we this are is a very hobby. selective about the companies that we work with, and we're we ask all the questions about their workforce, their teams, what they're doing to give back to the industry, mm-hmm. that they're using clean and ethical practices. So you know that if we have a product on our page, it is something that we support and believe in. We need to get that ad read down to maybe less words, but it was our first go. So yeah. I, think, I think that was fine. Exactly. If, if you guys think that ad read was just absolute malarkey, by all means, let us know. <laughs> yeah, well, we're refining. Yeah, we're refining. You know, we're getting there. Peace out, potheads. Anyway, with that, that is another episode of the Mary Jane Experience podcast, part of the Mary Jane Experience blog at maryjaneexperience.com. Follow us, SoundCloud, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Hit that follow button. We, Subscribe. We are going to start doing a more of these we want you to get more information we want you to be aware when new episodes are out so just make sure to subscribe 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 to the podcast so you can know more and if you're coming to boulder and you want us to give you a dispensary tour by all means hit us up that would be kind of fun if yeah ooh, if anybody is coming to boulder colorado or denver area in general and you are a listener and follower of the podcast Hit us up. We'll do a vlog taking you to dispensaries all over the Denver Boulder area for your first time. That would be super fun. We might even smoke a joint with you. Oh, we'll Maybe. definitely smoke a joint with you. If you're lucky. For sure. And we'll show you our sweet garden. Because <laughs> I'm a really good gardener. And we'll put you on a podcast. Maybe. Anyway, hit us up. <laughs> we appreciate you. We love you. Take care of each other. Be good out there, people. Good night, podcasts. Hasta la vista. Yeah.